Today, I want us to begin this series by looking at the very first thing that Jesus, who is love, spoke about on the cross. It's this word of forgiveness. And I want to pick up this story of the cross in Luke chapter 23. Jesus has just been arrested. He's just been up all night, no sleep. He's now been railroaded through six illegal trials. Three Roman trials. Three religious trials. He's been beaten. He's been whipped. He's been mocked. He's been spit on. He's now had a crown of thorns thrust into his head. And today I want us to pick up the story where he's now carrying the cross to the place where he'll be crucified. Take a look at this. The Bible says great crowds trailed along behind him, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves. Even Jesus at that moment was thinking of others, their need of redemption, salvation. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. Finally, they came to a place called the skull. All three were crucified there. Jesus on the center cross and the two criminals on the either side. Then Jesus said, and these are his first words from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. As the crowd stood watching, the leaders laughed and scoffed at Jesus. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. If he really is the chosen one, the Messiah. The soldiers mocked him and offered him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. But listen. Jesus never had an intention of saving himself. That's not what he came to do. Jesus, God in the flesh, love hanging on the cross, came to forgive and save you and me. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. So no matter what they said to him, no matter what they did to him, He had no intention of coming off the cross because he was on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins so the Father could forgive our every sin. The first thing Jesus talked about on the cross was this word of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. And I think when we really understand the meaning of Father, forgive them, they do not know what they're doing. You and I, we can live guilt-free. No matter what sins we've committed, we can live guilt-free. So this weekend, I want us to look at three things. First of all, write it down. What do you do with guilt? When you know that you have done something wrong, when you know that you have disobeyed God, when you know you have crossed a boundary that does not please God, what do you do with that guilt? Here's the first question. Do you bury it? Do you try to just hide it, forget it, 
Well, if you do, you're going to find out that guilt just won't stay buried. (laughs) It just won't. It comes back up. You remember it or somebody else remembers it and, and, and reminds you of what you've done and the guilt comes back. It just keeps coming back. David wrote about that. He said, when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. He's saying there that guilt for what he had done was taking a toll even on his body. He was running out of gas. He was weak because guilt was laying on him so heavy. But then he says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you, God, and I stopped trying to hide them, bury them. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me, God. And look at this. And then all my guilt was gone. Listen, when we finally come to God and say, God, forgive me, he forgives us and he wipes away all of the guilt, all of the heaviness. All of the shame, all of the remorse. And it's such a relief. We say, what was I thinking? Why did I try to bury my sin and live with guilt for so long? But a lot of us try to bury our sins in a lot of different ways. Some of us are minimizers. We we, we say, well, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I'll just forget it. Well, if if it wasn't a big deal, why do you keep remembering it? Why does it keep coming back to you? You see, it was a big deal. You feel ashamed about it. It was a big deal. Minimizing doesn't work. Some of us are rationalizers. We say, well, everybody else is doing it. But what everybody else does is irrelevant. Rationalizing it will never remove your guilt. Some of us are compromisers. We say, well, I do feel bad about it, but it's not hurting anybody else. So it's okay if I just kind of keep doing what I'm doing. But compromising leads to a hardening of your heart. The first time you do something wrong, your heart says, that's wrong. That that doesn't please God at all. And you feel bad about it. But listen, if you keep doing it, if you keep crossing that boundary that you know is wrong, if you keep compromising your standards, pretty soon your heart gets hard. And you become insensitive to the voice of God's Holy Spirit. And you begin to see it as okay. And just because you think it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. You know, lying is still lying whether you do it one time or 50 times. Lust is still lust whether you do it one time or 50 times. If you try to bury your guilt by minimizing it, by compromising it, by rationalizing it, your guilt's just going to keep coming back and it's going to lay heavy on your heart. The Bible says you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins, if you try to bury them. Guilt won't stay buried. So don't try to bury your guilt. Next, here's the next question. Do you try to blame it on somebody else? When you sin and you feel guilty, do you try to pass the blame? When you do something that you know is wrong and the guilt comes, do you blame somebody else? When Adam sinned, guess who he blamed? His wife. Guys, we like to do that, right? We like to just shift the blame to our wife. It's her fault. But God said, Adam, did you do what I told you not to do? And Adam said, yep, I did. He admitted it. 
But then he went on and says, but it was the woman you gave me who brought me some. And I, I ate it. He's not only blaming his wife, but he says, then God, it's also your fault because you gave me the woman. <laughs> who do you blame for the guilt, the sin in your life? Parents, boss, husband, wife, kids. The fact is, we're all kind of pros at, at excusing ourselves and accusing others. We often blame everybody else, but take no blame ourselves. And the Bible says some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions, and then they blame the Lord. God, why did you let me go bankrupt? And God says, wait a minute. I didn't put all that stuff on your credit card. I didn't buy a house that I couldn't afford. I didn't make that business risk. You did that. Why are you blaming me? Some try to bury guilt. Some try to shift the blame and blame others. But neither one of those will clear your heart and mind of guilt. Third question, do you try to beat yourself up for it? Some of us are really good at beating ourselves up. In fact, maybe some of you, you women are, are a merry martyr. <laughs> you kind of self-administer punishment for what you have done. You feel so bad and so ashamed for what you've done. You just do something. You don't get your nails done for a month or whatever. I don't know what you do. But you just do something to kind of beat yourself up a little bit more to try to get rid of your guilt. David says, my guilt has overwhelmed me. Look at this. Like a load, it weighs me down. Why? Because I was foolish, he says. And I am bent over, I am bowed down, I am sad all day long. Lots and lots of people don't laugh anymore because they know they're not living right. And there's guilt and there's shame in their heart and their mind. And they don't know how to get rid of it. Some of you are still carrying guilt and beating yourself up for stuff that happened months ago, maybe even decades ago. But beating yourself up will not clear your heart and mind of guilt. So here's the next question. So what does Jesus want you to do with your guilt? What's he want you, want you to do with it? If trying to bury it doesn't clear your heart and mind, if trying to blame others doesn't clear your heart and mind, if trying to beat yourself up doesn't clear your heart and mind, what does he want you to do? Write this down. He wants you to admit it. The Bible is clear how to get off a guilt trip. If you're on a guilt trip, this is how you get off. The steps in the Bible are very clear. First step is admit your sin and that you are guilty. It's like you walk into God's courtroom and you say, God, he says, how do you plead? He goes, and you say, guilty. I did it, God. And I not only did it, but I've done it again and again and again. God, I am guilty. You just admit it. You might be able to hide your sin and your guilt from everybody else, but you can't hide it from God. And guess what else? You can't hide it from you. You can never get away from you. You can't hide it. You can't run from it. But if you want to get rid of it, admit it. You can admit it. The Bible says this, the Lord gave us a mind and a conscience. We cannot hide from ourselves. The Bible says that God has written his word on our hearts, on our minds. Even people who are not yet Christians, not followers of Christ, God has written his word on their hearts and minds. That's why when they do something wrong, they know it. 
They know they've done something really wrong, and they're not even a follower of Jesus. He's given them a moral compass in their heart and mind. They know it. And so God says, you're going to always know when you do something wrong. Your heart, your mind, your conscience, you can't hide from you. I put it in you. And you cross a boundary, you're going to know it. And the Bible says, we all cross boundaries. Look at this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is just not in us. And so if you want to be free from guilt, the first step is admitting that you have sinned. Maybe you can go home today and take out some, uh, a pencil and some paper and sit down and say, God, bring to my mind all of those things that are not pleasing to you. All of those boundaries that I have crossed that I know I'm not supposed to cross. Bring them to my mind, God, and I will admit them and, and I'll confess them to you. I'm not going to try to bury them, hide them, blame anybody else. I'm just going to admit them to you. Some of us are going to take a big, long sheet, right? Because we've all sinned. But write them down. You know, in the same way that you every week need to take out your garbage, you know, it begins to pile up. And if, you, if it piles up and you don't take out the garbage, it begins to stink. In the same way, in our spiritual lives, if we don't take out that spiritual garbage, it's going to pile up and it's going to begin to stink up your life. And your life won't be fun anymore. Guilt will come and your life will stink. So write down what God brings to your mind. Is it revenge? Are you trying to get back at somebody? Is it envy? Are you trying to get what somebody else has? Is it lust for possessions? Lust for people? Lust for power? Is it that thing of gossip? Sexual impurity? Whatever it is, write it down and admit it to God. The Bible says, let us examine our ways. How long has it been since you just got quiet and got in the presence of God and just said, God, examine me. Spirit of the living God, talk to me. Show me what's wrong in my life. Write it down. He says, examine your ways and test them. What's Jesus want you to do with your guilt? First of all, he wants you to admit it. Secondly, do this. Take responsibility for it. Man up. Own up. Take responsibility for what you've done. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, he took responsibility. And he wrote this. He said, I recognize my faults, God. I am conscious of my sins. In other words, he owned up. He says, I know it. I know what I've done. The Bible says, admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This might be the hardest thing in the world you've ever thought about doing. But if you want to get free from guilt, admitting to a trusted friend will free you from your guilt. It's the thing that brings healing to your whole being. You see, you can't stop carrying it until you stop holding it. When you let it out to a trusted friend, that area of weakness, that sin you need to confess, it will stop coming back to your mind. So find a mature Christian friend. Tell an elder, tell a pastor, and you won't be judged. You'll be prayed for. And you will be healed from your nagging sin and nagging guilt. Jesus wants you to admit your guilt. He wants you to take responsibility for it. I did it. 
and I'm going to do something to get healed from it. And third, he says he wants you to ask forgiveness for it. Forgiveness. Now, the Bible says if we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable. He forgives us our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen? That's what God does. He freely forgives us. God is saying, yep, you blew it. But since you're willing to come to me and admit it, I'm not going to rub it in. No, I'm going to wipe it out. I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to forgive you and wash you and make you, as the Bible says, whiter than snow. Now, listen, when you go and ask for forgiveness, there's no need to beg God to forgive you. You don't have to say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, please, please. You're not waiting on God to forgive you. He's been waiting on you to ask him. And there's no need to bargain with God to forgive you. God will forgive you, and you don't have to to, to make some kind of a bargain like, God, I will never, ever do this, ever, ever, ever. I'll never do this again if you'll just forgive me this time. Yeah, right. (laughs) That area of weakness that you struggle with, You'll probably be back there in just a few hours later. You see, learning to overcome stuff has to do with putting God's word in your mind and asking God to set you apart and sanctify you, putting yourself in the places where you have boundaries around you. It's a process of overcoming. And so you don't bargain with God because you'll probably stumble again. Asking for forgiveness does not change your future, but it does forgive your past. Just ask God to forgive your past. No need to bargain. And there's no need to bribe God to forgive you. Bribing is when you say, God, if you'll just forgive me for this, I'll go to church every week so those those seats aren't empty for Pastor Larry. Okay? I'll read my Bible every single day and I'll never miss. God, if if you'll just forgive me, I will tithe not 10%, but 15. No, God, this was really bad. God, I'll tithe 20%. Oh, God, God. Okay, if you really want me to, I'll go to Juarez on a mission trip. You don't have to bribe God. So what do you do? You just believe that Jesus will do what he said he will do. That if you ask forgiveness, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned. Yet God declares us not guilty if, look at that big if, we trust in Jesus Christ who in mercy freely takes away our sins. So look at those words, if we trust. God declares us not guilty if we trust. Being forgiven for our sin, being set free from all of our guilt, is not about begging. It's not about bargaining with God. It's not about bribing God to forgive us. It's about believing that Jesus will do what he says he would do, believing he will forgive us. So if we put our trust in Jesus to freely take away our sins, Guess what? He will. He will. And you need to know that your forgiveness is not based on how little you've sinned, how much you've sinned. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is what Jesus has done. And that's what the cross is all about. It's what Jesus did on the cross that pays the penalty for our sin. 
It's what Jesus did on the cross that wipes out the debt that you owe the Father for your sins. Those who receive Jesus as their Savior, those who trust in what he did on the cross to pay for their sins, are forgiven and they are set free from their guilt. So admit your guilt. Take responsibility for your guilt and ask for God's forgiveness. That's what Jesus wants you to do with your guilt. But the question then comes, when you do that, what's Jesus do with your guilt? What's Jesus do with all that? Here's the best part. I'm going to close pretty quickly, but here's the best part. Here's four things that I hope you will let sink deep into your heart this morning. Things I hope that you will just let sit and soak in your soul. Thanks, go home and savor these things because they are the truth of the word of God. What's he do with your guilt? First of all, write this down. He forgives it instantly. The split second you ask for forgiveness, it is done. No delay. You don't have to beg. You don't have to wait. It's done like that. Secondly, he forgives it completely. You don't have to keep coming back to him for forgiveness for the same event where you blew it. Oh, God, I asked you once, but now it was so bad, I really need to ask you again. No, once you ask for forgiveness, it's done, it's forgiven completely. I like to say it this way. When God cleanses you, he leaves no residue. I like to rhyme stuff, you know that. (laughs) He cleanses you. And he leaves no residue. You know, I go out in my backyard and I like to have things clean. I like to keep things shiny. I go out back and I clean my grill, you know, and I think I've just got it sparkling clean. But then I lift up a grate and there's some residue. But God's not like that. When he cleanses you, there's no residue anywhere. It's cleansed. You're made whiter than snow. The Bible says this. He's forgiven all of your sins. He has utterly wiped out the evidence of broken commandments, which always hung over our heads, and has completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross. He wipes out everything. It's like God is this super stain remover. He no longer sees the stain. He no longer remembers the stain was even there. He forgets about the stain, and the Bible says he remembers it no more. And all of God's people said, amen. That's our God. He forgives it repeatedly. Theoretically, have you ever committed the same sin more than once? Come on, just in theory. All right. Yeah, we all have. We've repeated it. But you need to know that in that area of weakness, in those areas of your specialty sins, where you tend to fall, where you're the most weak, ones you've committed again and again, that even though every time you've sinned, it has grieved God to the core, you need to know that he's eternally forgiving. He forgives repeatedly. Now, this does not ever give us a license to practice sin. If you persist, if you resist the Holy Spirit of God, he will begin to discipline you, trying to bring you back to your senses. Because he loves you so, he will discipline you, hoping to get you to let go of your sinful ways. But it is not a matter of whether or not God will forgive you. It's a matter of whether or not you keep caring 
that God will forgive you. There is a place where your heart can get so hardened that you no longer care about God and what he thinks. But regardless of what you are doing, I want to leave you here with something that Christ is always doing for you. Take a look at this. Christ is always interceding on our behalf. He's saying constantly, Father, forgive them. At the right hand of the Father, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. He's always interceding for you. He forgives you instantly, completely, and repeatedly. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. The first thing he said on the cross over 2,000 years ago was, Father, forgive them. And he knew you would be born. He knew that you would be in these seats right here today. He knew what was in your heart. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's our God of grace. That's our God of mercy. He so loves you. And last, he forgives you freely. His forgiveness is a free gift that he gives to you. Forgiveness is our greatest need. And it's God's greatest gift. The Bible says this, For by the sacrificial death of Christ, we are set free. Look at this. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. The Bible says, what happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What relief for who God has cleared their record. Folks, this is the fundamental truth of Christianity. God took your problem and made it his problem. God made a way to forgive and wipe out all your sins by paying for your sins with his life. On the cross, the first thing he chose to do was to think about you and said, Father, forgive them. I know what life on earth is like. I know how strong the evil one is. They may not realize what they do when they sin, what they do to me and against me. But Father, forgive them. Today, I want all of us to settle this issue of God's forgiveness for our sins. I want us all to leave here knowing that your sins are forgiven. Knowing that you are going to heaven knowing that you never again have to be guilt-ridden. You can be forgiven and set free from guilt that's been heavy on your soul for years. And that is what God wants for you. He wants you to be set free. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And maybe you've been coming to Canyon Hills for lots of years, but maybe this is your first visit. But I want you to receive God's forgiveness this morning and freedom from guilt. And if you've never received his gift of salvation, I want you to receive that this, this morning. So in a minute, I'm going to encourage you to repeat a prayer after me in your heart. I want to encourage you to step across the line if you never have and say, I'm going to stop following 
my ways. And I'm going to step across the line and follow God. I'm going to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to encourage you to trust in Jesus. To forgive you and set you free from all guilt. I'm going to encourage you to become a real follower of Jesus. Day by day. Moment by moment. Folks, this is your day. This is your day. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. And if you'd like to ask Jesus to forgive you of sin or to set you free from guilt that you've been carrying over something you've done, or you'd like to come to him as Savior and Lord for the first time in your life, would you pray this prayer with me in your heart? It goes like this. Father, I admit that I have sinned. I take responsibility for my sin. I own up to all of them right now. Today I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. To save me from the penalty of my sins. And I ask that you come into my life. From this day on, I will follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. And clearing away my guilt. If you prayed that prayer this morning for any reason, would you just lift your hand and say, I want you to know, Pastor, and I want God to know. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Yeah, just lift your hand. Oh, that's awesome. Amen. Wonderful. Father, this is your church. This is your family. You know we're not perfect, but God, you want us to set free and live, be set free and live free. And today I ask that you bless each one of us here. Set us free. Help us to let go of all guilt in the name of Jesus Christ. And help us to live in a way that pleases and honors you. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's church said, amen. Let's just praise God today for what he's done. Amen. Amen.